Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one another week with Bucks in the Basement. Craig, uh, you have an idea for today's uh, show for 30 Minutes of Bucks. Explain this to me. So basically trying to get away from what usually happens around this time of year, which really took off on, on Facebook and Twitter this past weekend, is arguing who was a better GM, uh, Neil Huntington versus Ben Charrington, Who's a better owner, Bob Nutting versus Kevin McClatchy? Who saved the Pirates from leaving town? And why Bob Nutting won't spend and is, you know, the worst owner in baseball. So well, let's I'll, tell you, actually... I'll answer that question. Can I answer that last question, why he's the worst owner in baseball? Can I, can I explain that one? He's worth $1.1 billion. He throws nickels around like they're manhole covers. And, and if I want to go through other major league owners that have the same amount of money net worth-wise or less than him and the teams that they own, I'll just list them and you you tell me, do they spend more money on their team? John Stanton with the Mariners is also worth a billion, $1.1 billion. Uh, the guy from the Rays is only worth $800 million. The guy from the Brewers is worth $700 million. And he spends. He spends. Seems like he spends more, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to go through this whole list. The point is, is that... Like here, let's just take like somebody who might be a little bit richer than him. Jerry Reinsdorf is worth one point four four billion dollars. What this says, I saw another article recently with him in it that he was at one point seven billion, but he's he's up there. He's around where Nutting is. He's right now. His team is poised with the sixth highest payroll according to Spot Track going into twenty twenty two. He's right there next to Nutting in terms of his net worth, and he's spending money very differently. Even though people, there are people out there that think that he's cheap as well. Here's the thing. Until Bob Nutting spends money consistently and you don't have a fear that when a player gets good, that the Pirates won't be able to afford him and they'll have to move on from them. He's a bad owner. Now, if he starts spending money, great. I don't think you should own a Major League Baseball team if you're not capable of at least putting your team in the top half of payrolls when that team is competitive. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have a good team and you're not willing then to put money behind that team to invest in it so that other people come into the ballpark and they start spending money in your ballpark and you have a business that makes even more money, if you're not willing to take that leap of faith, you're a bad owner, get out of the way, let let somebody else do it. That's kind of how I see it. And I don't know, here's the thing. The book may not be completely written on Bob Nutting, although we all kind of have an idea as to who he is. Just like I don't think the book is completely written on Ben Charrington because he basically walked into just a just a disaster. You know, he walked into like the room on fire 
And he's been putting it out and trying to figure out what the plan is going forward. So having that debate is just stupid. Yeah, and right now, I mean, the biggest debate right now is where the Pirates are going to go this offseason. So that's where I was kind of like directing towards this show is we talked about a few weeks ago that there could be, you know, a few paths that the Pirates take this year. You know, a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. The plan D is that basically there's a lockout and is the miracle scenario for the Pirates that hopefully that would mean, you know, a salary cap is put in place, you know, which comes with a salary floor. And we're not talking about, you know, how cheap Bob Nutting is anymore. Right. But until that point in time, there's the plan A, which is what Ben Charrington has been doing since he came in here, which is kind of like open tryouts with a few measuring sticks. We've talked about that, you know, happening this past spring training where, you know, Brian Goodwin was brought in to kind of be like a measuring stick. We've called Eric Gonzalez the measuring stick for, you know, Cole Tucker. If you can't beat Eric Gonzalez out, you can't be on this field. So that would be like plan A, which would, you know, consist of, you know, maybe picking up a a fairly cheap pitching option, somebody to fill in in the outfield, but nothing like really grasping too far. The plan B would be where people are, you know, leaning towards more, which is maybe get a couple starters or maybe one that, you know, may cost a little bit more money. Somebody that's going up towards, you know, almost like seven, eight, nine, ten million a year and getting a more competent outfielder, signing them both for a couple years to fill the gaps. And then the last one is kind of like, I call it almost like the pipe dream. It's it's looking on spot track, seeing which free agents you actually like, and kind of taking it into consideration how much you think the Pirates are going to spend and bringing in like four to five guys to fill some of these holes. Can, can I Can I just take my shot at the pipe dream right now? Can I just Absolutely, do that? Absolutely, man. Let's, how, let's just go. Let's go straight to C because we all know that was right. not happening. This was not happening. But you, you don't owe anybody anything. You have, you honestly could pick up nobody in arbitration and just start over from scratch. So just go out and put together a hundred and sixty million dollar payroll, which will put you in the top ten. That probably will get you at about ten. If you look at last year, you're like ninth or tenth in baseball. So just spend a hundred and sixty million dollars and go get either one of Carlos Correa and Corey Seager, right? Or if you want to go a little cheap, go out and get Trevor Story. There's a shortstop for you, right? Add Chris Bryant onto your team. He could go third base outfield, right? Add him, add him in there. Uh, you're going to need a second baseman, Marcus Semien, maybe? Go go throw him in there or or go with two of those shortstops. Like, think about it right now. You With the money that they have available, they could go out, they could just put together an all-star team of like four or five, like just some of the best guys out there. Then go out there and try to get Kevin Gaussman as, as a starting pitcher. Just add him in. Freddie Freeman could be playing first base for you. You know? Marcus Stroman. <laughs> Think about this. You get Gaussman, Stroman, and let's say uh, Noah Syndergaard. Go with those, like a three-headed monster with pitching, and then pick up one of those good shortstops and uh, throw Chris Bryan in there because I think he's just going to continue to be a, a good player and pick one more guy. I mean, like, add six guys right there. Then just fill it in with, like, middling free agents, right? Like, just guys that kind of fill in the back end. You can add two of those big shortstops. There's a giant list of them. Story, Simeon, 
Uh, you got Correa, you got Seager, and two of them. Put them in your middle infield. Have Cabrian Hayes stand at third. Put Chris Bryant out in the corner outfield. Michael Conforto, go cheap. Put him in right. Brian Reynolds in center. Go spend money on Freddie Freeman. Let Stallings be your catcher. And, and go up and pick uh, two or three of those pitchers I mentioned. Boom. You're, you've just won the pennant. And you could probably do it for <laughs> $160 million. Will Bob Nutting do it? No. But you could. Because <laughs> you don't owe anybody any money. That's the thing is, because everybody will look and say, okay, who is the future that's on the team that's right now? Yeah. And Stallings is a part of the future, you know, for the next couple years. You only owe, you know, Brian Reynolds is estimated $4.5 million in arbitration, but I can see that going a little bit higher. And then you got Cabrian Hayes, who's going to be making like, you know, 550000 I mean, think about this. This is almost like what an NBA team would do back in the day when they were trying to create super teams like when LeBron and Chris Bosh and, uh, and Dwayne Wade decided that they were going to, they were going to get together in Miami and go win a championship. This is like, basically like you don't owe anybody anything and you can just go out now and just get a bunch of guys together who want to play with each other. Like, how about this? Just go with Seager and go down the list a little bit for a second base to get Chris Taylor. And those two guys have actually played second base and short with each other for the Dodgers. And you just insert that in your in, in your middle infield, right? We could Brian Hayes at third, and then like I said, Freddie Freeman. Just go. <laughs> so, <laughs> just so we're just gonna be we're gonna become like Los Angeles East over here, right? And you, be like you Dodgers. Be- we know you're gonna cut a little bit of cost here because you're not gonna be over top of the uh, the luxury tax again. Right. I mean, right back to back. So you're gonna drop a little bit. If you did that, like if you had the good middle infield with Cabrian Hayes coming back and you, like I said, Freddie Freeman at first base, I've, I've fallen in love with this idea of just talking about it out loud and Stallings is your catcher and you got Reynolds out in the outfield and you add a guy like Chris Bryan into one of the corner outfield positions, you could live with Ben Gamble on the other one, couldn't you? Like you, you don't need to get crazy. Like you could just add those and then spend money on pitching. And then trade a prospect to the White Sox who have already said they want to get rid of Craig Kimbrell and you've got a Hall of Fame closer. Think about how silly it would be, but you could do that and come in at under $160 million, have a top 10 payroll, and you probably wouldn't have to get rid of very many of your prospects. So they can go out and compete for a couple years, and when the prospects get good, they replace those guys. Like, that's never going to happen but meanwhile, there's another guy who's right next to Bob Nutting on the list of billionaires in Major League Baseball, and he's spending $160 million this year. So why isn't Bob? That's the question, right, Craig? Yeah. And, and Chris, you you went completely crazy because people, like, their, like, thing is to, like, can we get Starling, Marte, and McCutcheon back? No, in no, 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 no. Spend $160 million. Spend $160 million. Go out and sign these guys at $160 million. I mean, we're talking... How many of those guys right there are they going? They're going to make twenty million dollars a year, right? Some of them are. You might have one or two that are going to be at twenty-five million a year, and you're going to have a couple of them that are going to be at like eighteen million a year, right? So let's just say on average twenty million dollars, you could sign eight guys at twenty million dollars and be at one hundred sixty, and then just fill in with the rest of your guys. In fact, how about this? Save what did he? What's he up to right now? If he offers everybody arbitration, he's at about he's about twenty-one million dollars. All right, no, so like 20, 27.3, 27.3. I think it is. Okay, fine. So uh, take take thirty million off of the one hundred and sixty. You got one hundred and thirty million dollars. Sign six of those guys that I just talked about. 
Okay, the corner outfielder and Bryant, the two guys in the middle infield, that the the second base and shortstop, your new first baseman that you have, that's four. Go out and get two ace pitchers. You still got $10 million to go out there and play with. Plus, you have prospects where you can make a deal. I'm telling you right now, you'd win the Central Division this year if you just decided you wanted to. They're not going to do it, and I don't even think you'd have to kill your minor league system. You would just have to be like, all right, now we're spending money. We're going to be competitive while our minor league system grows. I mean, I, I know that right now what I'm saying is crazy, and I know it would never happen, but imagine if it could. Like, <laughs> It's not cra- I mean, is it really crazy if you don't have to touch much of your, your system that you've now put into place tearing it down? You don't owe anybody any bad money right now. So if you saw the right combination of players, go add six guys to your Stallings and Cabrian Hayes and, and Brian Reynolds core that you have. Make one little trade in there if you need to. Add a couple of starting pitchers and let's go, baby. Because all you really need is three really good starting pitchers in the postseason. The other two guys, you can find a fourth and fifth starter for two, three million dollars out there in the offseason. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I know it was Chris, option Chris C. Chris went wild with the crazy Listen, idea that could not happen. I, I know it was option C and it's impossible. I'm just saying. All right, now I'm going to have a sip of my wine and we're all going to forget that I said this because it's never going to happen. But I'm saying it's actually possible if you wanted to do it. Yeah, so then we're we're stuck here with the realistic options B, which would be to add, like, somebody beyond a Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson, you know, coming in for, you know, between, like, 1.5 and 2 million. We're looking at, like, adding... I know people have thrown out there, you know, somebody like a like a John Gray, somebody who's not super old, not going to be super expensive. I mean, I think he made around, I think, six million dollars in 2021. We'll be looking for a little bit of a pay bump. But if you offer him, you know, three, four years, go up into the, like, you know, the 30 millions to 40 million for that over that period of time you're not adding much to the system. You know, you're not adding much to the payroll. And then going out and getting a couple outfielders to make Ben Gamble your fourth outfielder, to not have to worry about Anthony Alford anymore. And basically the big thing for people is that to have, you know, two strong, you know, players that you can insert into your system. And I've even seen, you know, if you're not going to go out and get John Gray that you would just go down the list just a tiny bit and move towards, you know, guys that are going to be asking for three, four million dollars a year and adding two of those as opposed to messing around with, I mean, Tyler Anderson was good for what we brought him in for, but it wasn't like, and he was good for this team, which wasn't hard. Like in the beginning of the first half, it was him and JT Brubaker and that was it. Like, there was nobody else that was really pitching well for this team. So, did he do well for this team? Yeah. Did he do well overall for the Pirates? Eh. I mean, he's a regular starter. Maybe like a four or a five on a good team. But, I mean, I just don't know. I think I see this one as a little bit more realistic. But I still don't think that Ben Sherrington's going to make a, a quote-unquote splash into free agency with like a John Gray when he's still possibly thinking about a a Brian Reynolds extension. Well, here's the thing. I If they're going to make any kind of splash, I think it would be a pitcher. 
And the reason I say that is it's really hard to build a staff of five along with some depth in case somebody gets injured when you're finally making your run. And I, I, I'm looking right now at just starting pitchers and I'm actually trying to look at him by age because I want to sign this pitcher to like a four or five year deal and feel like that pitcher is going to be around for a while and they're going to get used to being in my, in my rotation and they're going to be there as the young guys come up and they're going to be the tone setter. You know, they're going to be the person setting the tone for the rest of the guys while you're developing pitchers around them. And I would say that two interesting guys would be left-handed pitchers that are 28 years old right now. And one of them is Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox, $8.3 million last year. He's going to be a little pricey, but he's not a guy, he's not a guy I think is going to really go out and break the bank. And then Carlos Rodon, I, I think Scott Boros thinks he's going to make a ton of money off of that guy, but the guy's never gone more than 160 innings in a season. But he's only 28 years old, and if his injury problems are truly over, and all it is is really strengthening that arm, that's the kind of guy you go invest in because he would, he'd walk in and he'd be the leader of your staff the moment he came walking in. He would be the leader of your... He's a former first-round top-10 pick and has shown, when healthy, that he's exactly that pedigree. And he's only 28 years old. Those are the kind of guys that I would say, go grab that. Go grab a guy like that if you could find him. And I wouldn't mind if you're paying $10 million or $15 million a year for that one player if that player is still going to be around, if that pitcher is still going to be around when it's time for you for your championship run. Because we're talking again about another $40 million payroll here. And if you still do 40 or $50 million, but you sign that one pitcher, you need to have that guy who's, you know, your one and you know you're good when he becomes your three, but he's still effective. And and you're not going to be able to find those. They don't grow on a vine, and they're very hard to find a bunch of them when it's time for you to start winning. you start, you got to start adding that now. And there's no guarantee you've got five starters plus some guys that you can rely on that you're going to find in this system, and you're not going to have to go out at some point and add pitching through either trades or free agency. So there wouldn't be anything wrong with at least going with something like that and then being cheap in other areas. Yeah, because... The problem with the like starting pitchers and with anybody that's entering free agency, a lot of the times they're going to be pushing towards that 30, 31-year-old status as far as the guys that I'm looking for, you know, on this list and some of them are, you know, even older. Right. I mean Gray is Gray is just a hair below 30. In, in reality Rodan is a little bit over a year younger than him and Rodriguez is a year and a half younger than him, but that's an extra season or so. In which you're, you're like he's still behind him in age to a certain point. You also have to look at the amount of innings that are on the arm. Rodani actually doesn't have a lot of innings on his arm. See, that's the thing. He had a surgery. He had another surgery early on. He's 28 years old, walking around with a 24, 26-year-old's uh, arm in terms of the amount of innings that he's put on it. So there's a guy. I mean, that's a it's a it's a risky move, but I I I still I mean because of the injury history. But if the guy is truly okay, and the only thing that really happened to him this year was that his arm started to tuck around towards the back end of the year, then there's a guy you got to be interested in. Eduardo Rodriguez was on a track as well to be a guy that was going to be a star. And then remember, he had the heart problem due to COVID complications and missed all of last year. And he actually had a fairly good season this year. He's going to get back to what he is. And that's another guy. He's 28 and a half years old, but... With a whole year off the year before and then trying to build back his strength this year, that that's a guy who's 28 and a half years old who's probably got a 26-year-old's arm. 
And those are the kind of things you're looking for at this point where you can add a guy like that. You could afford it. You're not going to have to break the bank to go get him. And down the road, he might pay off for you. That, those are the kind of guys. And I like the gray idea. I do. I'm just saying those two guys, there's actually a chance that they haven't even put as many miles on their arm as gray. And you might be able to get him at about the same amount of money. Yeah, and that's like the the middle pack. That's like the B idea. Yeah. And as far as far as the outfield, that's not happening either. Far, They're not doing that either. <laughs> no, no. And as far as the outfield goes, this is the one that we were talking about before we started the show that I've seen mentioned that would kind of be a little spending a little bit more than they have on outfielders. And this is the still part. Of the, year, this is still part of the B idea. This is still part of the B idea. Okay. And this would be like a a Marcana. Or a Lieri Garcia. <laughs> okay, listen. If you're interested in Lieri Garcia, he's a he's a spark plug. He is a guy you can theoretically put anywhere. He's a super utility sub. But as an everyday player, you can go look at his stats right now. When that guy's overexposed and you can't play matchups on him, he is a subpar hitter. And he is nothing more than a replacement level player. And if you plan on putting him in the outfield, I want you to go back and I want you to look at game two of this year's American League Divisional Series of the Astros versus the White Sox. And when Tony La Russa pulled out an Adam Engel, who is a gold glove caliber outfielder, so he can give another player in at bat who's a second baseman, Cesar Hernandez. And then as a result, moves Garcia from second, where he's actually better, out in the right field where you want to use him in the outfield. And... The very next half inning, he was responsible for four runs scored by the Astros and possibly the game because the White Sox were actually, if they weren't tied, they were leading at that point because he misplays a routine fly ball by taking a bad route to it over his shoulder, of which the announcers, this isn't just me, the announcers said he is not an outfielder. So that is not a guy you add to your team. Like, I mean, a national announcer watched him make that play and go, he ain't an outfielder. What's he doing out there? <laughs> so I know that it says that he plays outfield, but Pirates fans, go watch some tape on this guy. He was plugged into the outfield because of injuries on that team this year. He is not an outfielder. Now, Mark Canna, he's interesting, but isn't he 31 years old? He's 32. 32 years old. So, I mean, I... You're going and getting him, but he's not going to be around when you actually win anything. And I like the I like the idea of trying Alfred out and going with Gamble and going with Reynolds in your outfield. And then if you have a fourth outfielder, let it be somebody that you want to see who might be around and give that guy some innings and some at bats. I I don't I wouldn't go do this. I wouldn't go get an outfielder. Even in Plan B, I'd spend my time on pitching, that, or, or or finding a player that I thought was going to be around when this finally started working. Yeah, and and I don't disagree with that just because. The the outfield has become a place, at least within the Pirates' prospects, where more depth has grown, and there's guys that could be coming up next year, and I think that's a position that you could you could fill at some point in time. I mean, everybody's talking about you know O'Neill Cruz is still a shortstop, but if he gets pushed by the guys from behind, like a Lyover Pagero, like a you know a Nick Gonzalez or somebody that he could be move to the outfield at some point in time. I don't think that this is a place where a ton of money, you know, needs to be put. Would I like to have a guy that's maybe a little bit more, a more veteran player, but we got Gamble off, off the waiver wire by luck. And he's our second best outfielder. And I think if you come in with 
Alfred as your your third outfielder and maybe fighting with somebody that you would pick up, which will come in probably plan A, which we're going to talk about, then I think that you're still, you're better than you were at the beginning of last year. Because the beginning of last year, you were starting with Reynolds in left field. You were starting with Alfred and Fowler in center field and Gregory Polanco in right field. Automatically getting rid of Gregory Polanco and, and how poorly he played and automatically not making, yeah, in this situation, Alfred would be the third, but if you're bringing in somebody else to compete with him again, maybe he doesn't win that job and maybe one of them becomes the fourth outfielder, but I think there's enough depth at AAA that you're hoping at some point that one of those guys is going to step up. Yeah, if you're doing a plan B where you're going to add something, make sure it's something that's going to be around for a while, and I think I would, I think, based upon where we're sitting right now as a franchise, and the way that the prospects should be developing, the hardest thing is going to be finding all that pitching at the end when you need it in the starting role. And I would go make a splash in the starting role, and then I would extend Brian Reynolds. Those would be the top two things that I'd be looking to do. Let's uh, take a look real quick at plan A, which is probably uh, don't spend any money uh, and continue the rebuild and the prospect development. And that's the boring one, and that's the one that nobody wants. I really like Plan C. I mean, I, right now I'm filling in all these guys. I mean, <laughs> You're like, I'm filling in Plan like, C. Like yeah, so seriously, much. as soon as we're done with this show, I'm going to sit down with my MLB the show. I'm going to make all these moves and see if the Pirates would win the World Series, you know, at $160 million payroll. I think I could do it. <laughs> I think I could win the World Series next year with $160 million payroll just because the Pirates can get whoever they want to right now because they don't owe any bad money. They're like in this weird position where they could do They're not going to do it. I know they're not going to do it, Craig, but wouldn't it be amazing? It'd be an amazing story. You would start seeing other franchises do what the Pirates did, where they suck and they add players to get like their 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 uh, their minor league system right, right? But then all of a sudden they get to that year where they owe nobody nothing, and a big free agent class comes out and they just go, "We're going to buy everybody." Like they show up at the winter meetings with briefcases full of money, right? Bob Nunning's walking around with a cigar, just handing out briefcases of money. That would be amazing. It's not going to happen, but it'd be amazing. Plan A, break it down. Yeah, Plan A, I, I do believe in Plan A, and I, I do believe at some point in time here, I mean, they are going to add to the outfield. But I see, and this is a guy that we I mentioned before the show, would be like an Albert Almora Jr. He's like the prototypical type of guy that you're adding who played well through 2018 with the Cubs, went over to, to the Mets, and I think he got around somewhere around like 56 at bats this year and was just really frustrated with the organization, got outrighted down to AAA at the end of the season and declared his free agency. So he's a guy that you're bringing in on one of those, you know, non-roster invitee minor league contracts, you know, filled with something that if he makes the team that he's going to make around like, you know, 1.25 to $1.5 million and is still extremely young you know he's a guy that when you look on you know just go to spot track and like cycle down through he's pretty much i believe one of the younger guys on there hasn't turned 28 years old yet and showed some promise at some point in time and that may have been wasted you know if he could get playing time with the mets because the mets have that funny money they can just go out and buy whoever the heck they want and try to bring them in to fill out a team and he wasn't in their plans towards the end of the season. 
So that's where like that I I know people would say that's like an Alfred type thing, you know, that's a Fowler type thing. It, it's more towards the Fowler because he did have some MLB experience. It's definitely not the Alfred thing because he had minimal, you know. But this is a guy who had been successful that they could get, I believe, fairly much on the cheap and put him out there to compete with Anthony Alford in spring training and see if one of those guys actually shows up. I'm telling you. In fact, take Freddie Freeman out of plan C. I'll, I'll concede that. Put Anthony Rizzo at first base. Just listen to me about this, Greg. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo at first base, Chris Taylor at second base, Corey Seager at shortstop because the two of them have played together. So you just get the Dodgers middle infield, right? Brian Hayes is over at third. Stallings is still over at catcher. You go get Chris Bryant and give him 20-some million dollars and stick him in the outfield with Reynolds. And like I said, just let Gamble sit out there. I'm fine with that. Or go pick up some like lower-level uh, outfielder, and then you still probably have enough money. I mean, you easily have like $70 million still left, and you can go out and you can sign yourself a couple of big uh, pitchers. And $160 million, and keep your minor league system together, and, and go win now and then win later. Come on, Bob, you can do it. You're worth $1.1 billion. Yeah, and as far as the, Chris, I got to bring us back to reality. I know you love that idea. I, there's not many pitchers on the cheap end, and it'll probably be somebody that no one will ever mention, just like nobody mentioned Tyler Anderson last year. Look, nobody did. He wasn't a target. He's, he's going to be a guy that comes out, and is they're gonna fi- they would figure out somebody in plan A that they would go out and get, you know, like a Jared Eikhoff from the Mets. They would go out and get a Chichi Gonzalez from the you know the Rockies. They would go out and get somebody who's on the lower end, who's not super old, and that you would hope will perform, do something well. And I mean, it's at some point in time, I mean, Tyler Anderson did well. There may be some suitors for him, but he's a guy that would still fall in maybe just a little bit above what you paid for him last year. I mean, go out and get Tyler Anderson again. If that if you if that's what your plan is in plan A, is just to go out and get somebody who will be there for a year, maybe sign him to a two-year deal. But if things aren't working out, try to get rid of him at the trade deadline. Who knows? But in plan A, I know that's it's not the it's pretty much a lot of what's been happening over the past couple years. But I see that and maybe one guy from B kind of mixed into that, depending on which direction you're going to go. Right. Or you can just go out and sign Kevin Gaussman and uh, add in yourself a, what, a Carlos Rodon, like I said, or a Noah Syndergaard. Heck, Max Scherzer is going to be available. Why not? I'm telling you, I could do this, man. I could do this. I could put this all. It's going to be plan A. I know it's going to be plan A. I accept that it's going to be plan A. I'd like to see plan B extend Reynolds and go out and get a guy like Rodan or Eduardo Rodriguez or even Gray, right, to a long-term thing, and they're still around pitching for you, hopefully at a high level when your team is good. But I'm telling you, plan C, man, just spend the money, Bob. Get them briefcases full of cash out. I mean, you know they're sitting there, or or maybe what do we talk about? It maybe it's like a fishbowl or something that that he that uh, the Cherrington's walking past, and he's like, it's like a swear jar. <laughs> he's got a one point one billion dollar swear jar. That's where his net worth comes from. I, I guess so. He swears a lot.